You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Paul Neiman as he delivers what it means to belong to a church family. Well, welcome to 12 Stone here across our campuses online. Y'all can grab a seat. Good to see you today on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday. I'm just curious, how many of y'all ate more than you wanted to this week? Just curious? Amen and amen. So let's do this, because this is a family Sunday, and families, we like to encourage each other. So I want you to look to the person on your left or your right and say, you look good. Have you lost weight this week? Just tell them that. Make them feel good. It's probably a lie, but it's okay. It's family. It's what we do. (laughs) Y'all look good today. Now, we're glad you're here. Today's a really special day. I think you're going to be really happy that you made this a part of your weekend because today you get a chance to hear from your very own campus pastor here and across all the campuses. It's going to be a really special, special day. And and before we get to that, I just want to insert a couple simple overlying thoughts on the day. So here's, here's the first thought I want to put into the water for today. In the church, there is no more me, there's only we. See, in the church, someone's happy about that. There's no more you. It's It's we. <laughs> Inside the church, we lay ourselves down and say, it is now about us together. We're one family. And because of Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. There's, there's no more just thinking about me. It's, it's we. What, what sits at the core of a, of, of a healthy family is, is we lay ourselves down and say, it's about us. But sometimes we step into family and we start thinking about me again. You better make that mac and cheese like my grandma made it, right? The way I like it. We're going to watch my favorite Christmas movie. I get the good recliner to watch the Falcons lose again. That's my seat. It's too soon. It's too soon. See, when you you make it about you, it ceases to be family. It can happen in the church. They better sing my favorite worship song today. Who's teaching? Did I I get fed? And, And we start to lose sight of what God wanted the church to be, what Jesus created in the church. Let me let me give you a picture of how it's supposed to look. See, there's a, there's a reality that there's God and there's us, and because of Jesus, we can have a relationship between us and God, and that's a beautiful thing, but what the church is, is it's a collection of all of us together that become the church, brothers and sisters who follow God, and that's the picture of the church. No more me, it's, it's about us, but the reality is when you're gone, when you're not here, we miss you. It's, it's kind of like at Thanksgiving dinner, if someone wasn't there, see, Thanksgiving morning at 8 a.m., my beautiful daughter, Lizzie, began to throw up, and she threw up all morning long, and so at the table for Thanksgiving, we looked around, and there were empty chairs where, where my daughter should be. We missed her. See, when, when you're a part of a family, a church family, when you're gone, there's a hole. We miss you. This is what God invites us into as a church family. And so today, you're going to have a chance to hear from your very own campus pastor, and they're going to pick up on this thought and talk about what does it look like to be a we, to be a family. And so right here at the central campus, you get a chance, you're going to be so glad you're here. You get a chance to hear from your very own campus pastor for the first time, Paul Neiman. Let's give him a huge 12-stone family welcome. Come on, Paul, and bring it. All right. Thank you, Jason. Well, good morning, 12 Stone Church. Good morning, Central Campus. So glad that you're here with us. 
Isn't such a great opportunity to do baby dedication as a family, as a church? Man, it's such an honor to do that. I hope that as a church, as a family, we feel the weight of that responsibility. Listen, we got a reception out in the lobby for all the families, and everybody is invited. So head out to the lobby after the service. Maybe stay a little longer than you usually do. Get to know someone. Connect with someone. Hey, learn each other's names. We're going to talk about that at the end. But I don't know about you, but there is just something about having these moments where it's just us, just Central Campus. Now, I get it. Like, we are one church in many locations, and it is an honor to serve all the campuses like we do every single week through the live stream. But come on, this is our home, right? This is Central Campus. We got to give it up for our home. We love it here. That's right. Now, listen, the reason that we get so excited about this being our home is because we all have the desire to belong don't we? Of course we do. We all long to belong. And this is the conversation that we've been sitting in for the last four weeks. And like Jason said, we're going to continue that today by talking about what it means to belong to a church family. And he kicked it off with this thought. Let's bring it back to the TV. He said this, in the church, there is no more me There is only we. Now, I want us to say that one more time as a campus, okay? In the church, there is no more me. There is only we. So the result is obvious, right? What does that mean? We're family. We're family. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person to your right and say, you're family. You're family. Now, turn to the person to your left and say, even you are. (laughs) Even you are. That's right. Even that person. Now, Central, here's why this is important for us today. Because if we're family, we have an opportunity and an obligation to act like one. That's what we're talking about today. So for some of you, this may be a good reminder, and it's going to reset your perspective on what the church is supposed to look like. And for others of you, This may be the most important and impactful thing that you hear all day, and it's that you have a family, and it is going to reshape your perspective of what the church is supposed to look like, because the truth is this. The reason that God gives us the church as a family is not just so that we can overcome our loneliness and have community. No, it's so that God can use us to transform a community. See, God gives us the church so that it can draw out our natural God-given potential so that we can build up his kingdom on earth. That's why it's so important to always differentiate the church from a building to people. It's family. That's what church is. And listen, like family, we are all different, aren't we? We are all different. We all have different callings and different backgrounds and different giftings and different potential. We are all different, but we're all family. Now, the truth is, like, some of us are really different. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of us, <laughs> some of us are really different. It's okay, because 
Every family has a little crazy in it, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, but it just seems like during the holidays is when all the crazy comes out of people. Is it just at my house? Like all the crazy comes out of people, like over the line Uncle Mike, you know, or, or, or political Aunt Susie. Some of you are saying, those are actually family members of mine. How are you? Who are you talking to, right? Cousin Eddie, right? Cousin Eddie. Listen, <laughs> if you don't know who the Cousin Eddie is in your family, it is 100% most definitely you. Like you are, think about this. Somewhere you have a robe or something that no matter how many times it gets thrown away, like it just keeps on coming back miraculously. If you've never asked the question, I wonder if it's time to leave now. Like you are Cousin Eddie. Be more self-aware. But it's okay. It's okay. We're family. We're all different, but we're all family. But we all belong to the same purpose. And make no mistake about it, Central. That purpose is to build up God's kingdom. That is why we're here. So we all belong to the same purpose, but we all belong to each other as well, as brothers and sisters. Now I get it, like even using that term, brothers and sisters, can seem a little weird to us, right? Like we don't even refer to our own family as brothers and sisters. That's how uncomfortable it is for me, but it's okay. It's, it's the same for the ancient church. When the ancient church heard that term, it also caught them off guard. But why? It's because they knew what it meant. See, they knew that brothers and sisters have an obligation to one another. That's why the early church was described as caring for the needy and caring for them financially and calling them each other out on sin. You see, family was a big deal to them. And it's because they took the words of Jesus quite literally when Jesus was asked, who are your mother and brothers? And Jesus' answer is over here in Matthew chapter 12. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Here's what Jesus is saying. Not only are we followers, we're family. We're family. Now, I got to admit, the church has not always gotten this right. Like, in many cases, the church has turned into this self-serving buffet rather than a family potluck, hasn't it? Like, we come to church, we get what we want, we go home. That's church for a lot of us. Hey, that's Christianity for a lot of us. Like we come to be served. The problem with that is there are devastating results to the family. And the results, quite honestly, are right here in this room. The results that are, some of us are moms and women who are lonely and busy they have this fear of failure, and they don't have a we that can fill them with courage. The results are our dads. Some of us are dads in the room. Some of us are, are men who really struggle to get a breakthrough. And they don't have a, a we that they belong to, someone to call them out in their pride and their sin to help them get that breakthrough. The result is kids. Some of us are kids and students in the room who 
think that they're the only ones asking these real big questions in their life. And because they don't have a we that can give them the answers, they slip into anxiety and loneliness, depression, identity issues. You wonder where this comes from in culture or the church? It's because of this me mentality. Some of us are single, divorced, widowed. We don't have a a we. And we feel like we're all alone. And the lie is that you don't have a family. And that's not just, that's just not true. Central, we have an opportunity right here to be the church. We have an opportunity to be a family, to be a we. Now let me add something here. You know, you can't be the church. You can't experience the church as a family unless you lean into it. Like, we have to take advantage of the opportunities around us. We have to raise our hand. We have to take advantage of the people around us and get into community. Here's the truth. The church is only the church in the case that the people who make up the church decide to be family. That's the responsibility that we have at this church to be a family. That decision is on us. We decide if we want to serve each other. We decide if we want to love each other. We decide if we want to raise up the next generation. We decide if we want to part in Vision 2021. Like That's the decision that we have. That's on us. You see, 12 Stone, 12 Stone exists to pour into you, to partner with you as God transforms souls, families, and communities. See, we do this together, but the decision is on us. We decide if we want this to be a buffet or a potluck. That's on us. So how do we do it? What is the church supposed to do then? Well, Jesus has an answer for us in John chapter 13. He says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, this isn't new. I mean, isn't love the way that God designed family in the first place? Like, love is how family works. It's how God designed us. It's how God designed the church. And it is powerful when it is realized in a church body. And in Galatians, Paul actually tells us how to love one another. So why don't you go ahead, turn to your uh, worship center Bible. It's on page 1171. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. And Paul, what he's really doing is he's giving a practical action step to Jesus's love one another. Chapter 5, verse 13, page 1171. Here's what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, again, he's reminding us that we're family. We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. What is the flesh? He's telling us the flesh is our me mentality. That's where our me mentality comes from. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. It's about the we. It's about the next person. And now Paul does something that we want 
out of every communicator, right? Every pastor. Like, just sum it up for me, man. Like, it doesn't need to take 50 minutes. Just give me the brass tacks. Anybody like that? Like, just get to the point. Anybody? I won't be offended, I promise. Of course. Well, for those of you that are like that, he does that in verse 14. He says this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. There's your summarizing statement. This one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, there it is, right? Simple. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Easy. I got this. You ever read scripture and really want it to be clear? And then when it is, you're like, nope, don't like that. Do not like that. Anybody? Just me? And I don't do that either. Um, this, this, is, this is so true. And, and he goes on to say the next thing, what I think is all too familiar in family, but honestly all too familiar in the church as well. He says this, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Like, this is so family. Literally, this is family. Some of us had our kids bite each other on the way here. Like, that was a real thing that happened on the way in this morning. See, Paul knows us. Paul knows the church. Now, it would be a shame if that's how Paul left it. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. Good luck with that. No, he gives us an action step. And so go over to uh, verse 2 in chapter 6. It's on the other side of the page. Verse 2, chapter 6. He tells us how to do it. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's what? Burdens. And in this way, meaning when you do this, when you carry each other's burdens, you will fulfill the law of of Christ. Now, this is what Paul's saying, and you, you, you got to catch this. The law of Christ is to love our neighbor as ourself, is to love one another. And that law that sums up all the rest is defined. It is fulfilled. It is completed. It is accomplished. That love is proved as a family when we carry each other's burdens. That's the truth that God has for us today. A church family carries each other's burdens. That's what a church family does. Now it begs the question, like what's a burden? Like what, what is a burden? I'm just gonna give like a simple illustration because I, I know you get it. Let, let's say someone is carrying a 100 pound duffel bag, right? The, the, the number is arbitrary, a 100 pound duffel bag. It might as well be a million pounds because I could never carry a 100 pound duffel bag. Um, but let's say someone is. How would you help someone with carrying that duffel bag? Would you go up to them and say, man, you gotta get in that weight room. Like you gotta build some muscle to carry that. What are you doing? Like that's embarrassing, <laughs> Do you say, hey, we're all given things for a reason. That's yours. I got mine. That's yours. Or, or like, do you say, hey, you just got to trust it. You just got to trust it. Hey, you need to trust God. No, of course not. To help someone with a burden or a hundred pound duffel bag is to go to the other side and pick up the other side and carry it with them. Of course, that's how we carry each other's burdens. You guys get that? Now, for some of you that have or have carried a heavy burden in your life, and you've had someone or some group come and pick up the other side, you know the power of this. But for some of you that have or have carried what feels like a 100-pound duffel bag, a heavy burden, and you have not had 
someone or some group carry the other side for you, you also know the power of this. My wife and I know the power of this. My wife and I had a a heavy burden for a while. And the truth is, my my wife and I struggled with infertility for five years. And no matter what we did, we couldn't get pregnant. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's just so recent. It felt like every year that bag got heavier and heavier and heavier. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to lead her. I remember like thinking things and praying things. And it took me down a dark path, if I'm honest. I remember thinking that God had forgotten us. Like everybody else has a kid. You must have forgotten us. I remember reading in the Psalms where David has his own burdens and he's, he's crying out to the Lord, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. I remember saying, that's me. That's us. I remember asking God, where are you? Have you ever asked God, where are you? Where are you? I know you have. I have. I remember not wanting to worship. You ever come and not want to worship? Like you, you see lyrics like promises never fail or I'm going to see a victory and you go, nope, that's not me. Burdens are real, aren't they? I remember getting up in the middle of the night because my wife wouldn't stop crying. I, I remember going to the doctor over and over and over again. And I literally remember thinking and writing in my journal, I guess the reason that you don't want us to have a kid is because you don't think I'm going to be a good dad, do you, God? And that's not true, but I believed it. But the truth is, you know what made that burden lighter? It was people. It it wasn't a podcast on grief. It wasn't a book on infertility. It wasn't somebody coming along and paying for our treatments. It was people. It was my wife's girlfriends coming over to the house and praying over her. It was my mom praying every day for a miracle. It was people that pointed us towards Jesus by loving us like Jesus. And when I felt that love, I felt God say, listen, 
You are not defined. Your identity is not in being a father. It's in being a son. My son. That's where your identity is placed. Now the truth is, God did remember us. And he did give us a beautiful miracle. Her name is Selah, and she's two months old. Um, just a couple of days ago, yeah. <laughs> I spent so much time with her. I look at that picture, I miss her so much. <laughs> but the truth is, I know that some of us don't sit in a miracle today. And that's not where some of us sit. But we don't get to choose if God gives us a miracle. We don't. But we do get to choose if we're still going to worship. Listen to the end of that psalm. But, but even though you have forgotten me, it seems, even though I don't know where you are, even though I'm lost and cannot find you, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You see, somehow David knew that even though his burden was real, that God was bigger than his burden. That even though our burden was real, that we could still worship. Even though our burden was real, that we can still be thankful. Even though our burden was real, that we can still praise God because we are not defined by our burden. Our faith is not the size of our burden. Our faith is the size of God and God is bigger than our burden. God is bigger than your burden. He is. I'm telling you. He's bigger than your debt. He's bigger than your financial struggle. He's bigger than the disease that's in your family. Cancer, death of a loved one. He's bigger than your grief. He's bigger than your broken marriage. He's bigger than your addiction. He is bigger than your burden. He's bigger than your tough family dynamic. And that's what it was for the Towns family. Towns family is a family that comes here at Central. Great family. They come to the one o'clock. They have a tough family dynamic. But it was people that made the burden lighter. Listen in. Well, I, we have two stories. It's my story and her story. I, uh, I was actually, I was shopping for some jewelry for, uh, for my oldest daughter, Christiana, for her birthday. And I happened into a jewelry store that she worked in. I looked up and I saw this just really attractive, amazing looking man who was dressed really, really, really nice. Gorgeous, gorgeous smile. As I was helping him pick out these earrings, he smiled, and he just had this just amazing million-dollar smile. Then she asked me for my number. She did, ask me. She, 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 she did. She asked me for my number. So I was excited about going out with him. We just connected on so many different levels, and I went into work the next day saying, that's the man I'm going to marry. 
wow, this one, she's special. And I knew that from our first date. Um, I did. I did. Troy was born on November the 4th, 2007. He's an amazing little guy. Yeah, he is. He has a smile that will just brighten your day, open up a room. He's mischievous. He is. Uh, <laughs> yes, he he's, is. He's that. He's, that. <laughs> uh, he's so creative. Um, everyone doesn't see that. He's an amazing child. It was right around the age of three was when we found out he was on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. Listen, that's a keyboard. Yeah, that's Troy's keyboard. It was uh, devastating. Troy started in children's ministry. Um, uh, he was five. So yes, five years old. Five. So he's gone through the years from elementary uh, up into the upper grades, and then. About a year ago, mm -hmm. Troy had a growth spurt. He's almost yeah. as tall as mom now. And I, I tell you, um, he's become more, uh, more to handle, uh, more so than what could be uh, accommodated in regular children's ministry. So we had about five years of marriage before the diagnosis came down. There is nothing that happened in those five years that even comes close to the pressure put on our marriage from having a special needs child. The toll that this takes on the, 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 the parents as individuals, the marriage, the other children, the entire family, it is like being in a pressure cooker. And we made a determination for others that we would need to split how we come to services. One week I, I could come to service and mom would stay home and watch online. Um, the other week, uh, she would come to service and I'd watch online. Right. And we were and we were attempting to do, you know, Sunday service for Troy at home. Yeah, it's not what we saw as um, as a as a good plan. We were wondering how long this was going to go on. Will we do this for the next several years, or will we we need to do something else? I was frustrated. I, I had a conversation with Pastor Miles. Uh, he just happened to be walking by, and he, he wondered what was wrong. And I was sharing with him and lamented to him what was taking place. I said, listen, um, I need you to pray for us, because we're having a tough time right now. Our son is not, um, he's not doing well. He's having a very difficult time uh, in, 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 social, in socializing and transitioning and understanding what's going on around him. We're having a tough time as parents. We, we don't know what to do, but would you pray for us? Um, and he took the time out to, uh, to pray for my, myself and my wife and our son, Troy, uh, that we would, would have some peace, that Troy, uh, Troy would have some peace. Not very long after that, a lot of things started to happen. Uh, we were told that, hey, 
there's something coming. But just, just wait. It may, you know, it's because it's not always in our time. It's in God's time. Right. It's in God's time, and we trust that. I was actually in uh, the children's ministry with Troy, and um, Todd was in the sanctuary. And Todd said, hey, you have got to watch the online service when we get home. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but you just need to watch it. Yeah, we're going to be starting a ministry to families with special needs uh, children here. And this is really cool. Yeah, yeah, come on. I was like, whoa. I was like, (laughs) yeah. "Yeah." (laughs) That's how I found out about it. (laughs) We can't solve all the needs that's there, but, but we can solve that. It's an absolute miracle that uh, that our church body would have a heart for not just us, but for our son Troy. Enough that, hey, we love him, we accept him, we see the need to support him so he can have community, so he can uh, have the opportunity to receive uh, instruction uh, and to see the love of God and people sharing the love of God with him in the special needs ministry. The special needs community needs to have a place where they can get that. Having a time for me and my wife actually walking in the service together, sitting down together and receiving the word of God that we can relate here together binds us closer as a married couple than as parents. Uh, it, it increases our faith. Uh, it, it solidifies our, 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 our commitment to each other and lets us know we can get through it. But we're not alone. There are other people out there we right. know who, who don't know where to go. I want my son to grow spiritually as well. He's excited. He asks, are we going to church? Are we going to church? Go to church on Sunday. Go to church on Sunday. He wants to go to church. He's excited about it. He likes doing that. And, and he knows, he knows it. He has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He has one. And we're thankful to God that 12 Stones is a place where that can be served. Yes. It's so good. Listen, when we talk about Vision 2021, that's what we're talking about. When we talk about initiatives like Knockout Hunger, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about carrying each other's burdens. This is a directive from Jesus and from the Apostle Paul. It's volunteers. It's people like you. When you serve the community like you do, when you serve here on the weekends, the people that come through the doors, it's the children's volunteers, the student ministry volunteers. Let me tell you a quick story. You know, there's a, a volunteer couple, Charles and Rocky. They serve in the high school ministry. Yes, they serve in the high school ministry here at Central. And uh, inside their small group, they met a, a young man named Frederick. Now, now Frederick came from a really tough family dynamic from losing his dad at a really young age. And Charles and Rocky saw that as an opportunity to say, you know what? We're going to be your second family. And Charles started raising Frederick up, kind of like a spiritual father would, and they would pray relentlessly for them, eventually ended up essentially adopting them as his second family, got him to college, even paid for the rest of his college tuition. Now he's at Southern Wesleyan University. He's running track. He's healthy. He's, a, he's doing awesome. He still in, keeps in contact with his small group uh, leaders, Charles and Rocky. But listen, this right here, if this isn't the church, I do not know what is. This is the church. 
It, it's the prayer. Absolutely. It's, it's the prayer team. You know, we have a dedicated prayer team that prays on your behalf every single day during the week. And after every single service, they come down here front. Why? Because they are honored and privileged that you would let them carry your burden with you. That's what the prayer team here is for. It's the special needs volunteers. You know when we announced that we were going to have a special needs ministry here at Central? You know almost 100 volunteers signed up in, in two weeks? That's because... They get it. You get it. You know what it's like to carry the burdens of other people in the town's family, even if it's just for 75 minutes during the week. It's picking up the side of the bag so it's lighter. That's carrying each other's burdens. Listen, there are brothers and there are sisters right here in this room, some who you don't know and some who you do know that are struggling. And they have real burdens. And they are desperate for the church to come alongside of them and carry for them and with them. Listen, there are brothers and there are sisters that are not in this room. Some who you do know, some who you don't. And they're struggling. And they have heavy burdens. And we need to be the church and help carry some of the load. That's what family does. Now, here's what I learned through those stories and, and the people today is that carrying each other's burdens has a cost to it, doesn't it? Like, it, it costs something to carry someone else's burden, especially, hey, if, if we're honest, especially if we have our own burden. It requires some sacrifice. Now, how many of you know the golden rule? All of our hands should be up, right? We know the golden rule. We know it. Do unto others as they would, as you would like them to do unto you. I thought we all knew it. <laughs> but, but Paul in Galatians upgrades it to, to the platinum rule, if you will. He says, do unto others as Jesus has done for you. What has Jesus done for you? Well, he's carried your ultimate burden, your ultimate sin burden. You see, that's why we carry others' burden. That's how we have the strength to carry others' burdens. That's why we have the courage to carry others' burdens because that's what Jesus ultimately did for us. It's the gospel. You see, the gospel is not just something that has happened to you. It is a part of you. You belong to Jesus through the gospel. You're defined by it. And because of Jesus's work on the cross for you, you are now marked by a different kind of love that enables you to use that love to serve and to love on others. That is the gospel. That is what it means to be a church family. We are different. That's the difference in being a church family. The gospel. Now, one of the things I find is really interesting about the life of Jesus you know, right before he goes to the cross, right before he decides to carry our ultimate burden through his sacrifice, as if that wasn't enough, he decides that he's going to take time to pray for us. John chapter 17, you can go read it. But I think the prayer is interesting. He asks God that we would be one, that we would be unified. What is he saying? that we would be family. He's already prayed this prayer over you. And at the end of the prayer, he says this, that my love would be the love that they have for one another. 
See, Jesus knew that prayer was a powerful way to carry each other's burdens. Just like Courtney's girlfriends did for us. Just like Miles did for Todd. Just like Charles and Rocky have done for Frederick. You see, prayer is a powerful way to carry each other's burdens. And that's what we're gonna do today. And we're not just gonna pray as a church. We're gonna pray for the church. We're gonna pray for each other as family. And listen, I, I know that there are a lot of different burdens in this room. Financial burdens, family burdens, just there's so many, and I know a lot of you sit inside of it, and I'm gonna invite you to do a very courageous thing today. Part of having an opportunity to be the church is that we raise our hand and say, I'm struggling. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna ask for those of you that have a burden in your life that you need prayer for, that you would stand. Right now, I don't know what the burden is, that you would stand up in this room and you would say, you know what? I'm carrying a burden today. And I need prayer. In church, if there's someone next to you that's standing or near you, would you put a hand on them? That's what the church does, doesn't it? They put a hand on each other. They extend their hands to each other. And I don't want to see this room have one person without a hand on them. So if you see someone over here, there's someone. Put a hand on someone. Extend your arms all over this room, that we would be the church, that this would be a picture of what Jesus prayed for. And so, Father, we come to you right now, and Father, we know that there are some heavy, heavy things in our life, and we just want to raise our hand and say, you know what? I need help. I need help. I need people. I need people to point me towards Jesus. I need people to love me like Jesus. I need people to point out truth and point out wisdom and point out that the lies that I'm believing are not true. Father, I pray that you would use people in these lives to help carry these burdens for them. Father, I pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them peace. Father, some of these people have been carrying burdens for years, the same burden year after year after year, and they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, Father, but you are the light in the darkness. So Father, would you show up? Would you show up in their life? God, and would you be bigger than their burden? Oh God. So now I want to do something a little different. I'm going to invite all of you to stand in this moment. And it's a prompt that I got a couple of days ago. And it, honestly, God told me to do it, and I said, no, God, we're not doing that. That's a little weird. But I'm going to ask you to turn around. For all of, all of those of you that are willing, just turn around, right where you are, just turn around. And we're going we're gonna to turn our attention towards our community. Because listen, there is a community out there that needs the church to be the church. And so if you would, if you're comfortable, would you just extend your hand? to the community, and just visualize the community that you live in. 
And we're going to pray together as a church. So, Father, right now, there are brothers and there are sisters in our very own community that desperately need the church to be the church to pick up some burdens, to lighten the load. And so, Father, we pray, we do, we pray for those in our community that have things that are weighing them down and they may not have the love of Jesus. They don't see it. Father, they can experience yet. Father, would you give them the light of Jesus in their life? And would you use us, the church, to be the example for them? And would you help us love them like you love us? Father, we pray for our community. In Jesus' name, amen.
faith in him again. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand and receive faith from the Lord and put your trust back in the Lord because he invites you into it in this moment and just sing, you never fail. Oh. 